It's one of my favorite things to uh, when I when I get around some new believers or old believers for that matter. But when I when I'm in the presence of Christians that you know just show an enthusiasm for uh, maybe something they read in the Bible, uh, maybe just being in church. When there's a, that kind of enthusiasm, that desire, you can tell that they're hungry for the things of God. And the reason why that's always an encouragement to, of course, a, a pastor, and I think it would be an encouragement to anybody, uh, any Christian, is because it, it's, it's the evidence of the fact that God is at work in their, in their life. You, you understand what I'm saying, right? When you, when you see somebody and they're just bubbling over, if you will, with um, you know, a, a love for the Bible, a desire to see somebody get saved, uh, you know, to witness to someone, when there's just that hunger for uh, the work of God in the world and the hunger for the work of God in their own life, you know that that doesn't come naturally. It doesn't just, you know, that's, that's not something that, um, at least most of the time, we don't demonstrate anything like that out of our, our own nature. That's produced in us through the Holy Spirit of God. Because um, by nature, we're not, you know, usually, uh, before I was saved, I know that church was more of a, well, I had to go because mom and dad said so kind of thing. But after I got saved, then I wanted to go. Nobody had to prompt me. No one had to wake me up. No one had to, you know, move me along to try to get me there. I was determined to go. Because God was at work in my life. And all of you recognize that uh, in each other's life, and you, you see that from time to time. Um, maybe, you know, more on the surface than other times, perhaps. Another thing that really encourages my heart is when I see just simply uh, believers being faithful over years and years and years of time. It's always encouraging, of course, uh, you know, with my children here, you think about uh, John saying that, uh, you know, he had no greater joy than to hear that his children, and he was speaking of spiritual children, I think, were walking in the faith. And it's always, you know, my joy as a dad to see my, my kids walking with God. Nothing brings more delight to my heart than to see that. Um, the grandkids, of course, are a delight always to our heart. But uh, it's my prayer and my desire is to see God work in their lives. To see them submit themselves to the will of God and uh, to you know, come to faith in Christ and be baptized and follow the Lord. That's, that's the desire of every parent, every Christian parent. And it throws our heart. And, you know, what we've been looking at is this fruit that the Spirit produces in our life. And that fruit is evidence of God at work in our heart. Because, as I said, we're not as loving naturally as we, you know, we don't love the way God loves. People in the world, they, they love, mostly we love what pleases us. And as long as it pleases us, we love it. But we can easily fall out of love with it when it no longer pleases us. When it no longer is benefiting us. And I say it, but it, you know that could be a person, it could be anything. Where God's love, of course, knows no bounds, and it's, it's unconditional. 
And that's a type, that's a type of love that, and you, I, you know, I believe that you probably, at least to a degree, recognize when you got saved, you, you began to understand that love that God had for you, and it started to create in you a love for others that wasn't there before. And the same with all of these other, you know, the aspects of this fruit, joy and peace, we could go down through each one. And I guess we have, haven't we, through the, through the weeks. But today we come to the end of verse 22, because last week we looked at gentleness and goodness, and we put those under essentially one heading, and that was kindness, to be kind. And certainly we learn from the Lord, the Lord is kind, of tender mercies. And now we come to that final word in verse 22, faith. The fruit of the Spirit, which is singular, but it has all of these virtues built into it. Uh, and it's all of these together that God is working into our life. And one of those is faith. Now we'll, we'll delve into that a little deeper in just a moment, but I, I've said all along, I just want to emphasize one more time that this is, this is a fruit. A fruit is not like work. You know, we talk about the works of the flesh. But he says this is the fruit of the Spirit. A fruit is something that naturally occurs or is produced by just simply the, the Spirit at work in our life. When you got saved, you, you understand that you received the Holy Spirit. I was reading in my devotions this week in Corinthians, 1 Corinthians in chapter 6, and, and it's there where he says, you know, you're not your own, you're bought with a price, and your, your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you. And therefore, we're to glorify God with our bodies and with our, uh, what else does it say there, with your body and with your soul, I think maybe, spirit, which are His. So, uh, you know, He's working that in us. But it's, it doesn't just work in a vacuum. In other words, I, I think we understand this, but I want to just uh, mention it this morning is that we're, we are to cooperate with the Holy Spirit. Uh, he does that work, but we also must avail ourselves of allowing Him to work and, and not quenching the Spirit and not um, you know, grieving the Holy Spirit. Let me, let me kind of try to give it to you this way. Paul said to exercise yourself unto godliness. He said bodily exercise profiteth little. There is some profit in exercise, but it's nothing compared to spiritually ex exercising. And that, that kind of gives us the idea there's something we're to do. So in other words, we don't just sit here like a bump you know, on a log and, and the Holy Spirit's going to just pop fruit out in our life. We, we have to be active in the process of working with and allowing Him to do that. Peter said it this way, add to your faith virtue and to virtue knowledge and on and on. There's a list there. So, so we need to avail ourselves of this uh, work of the Spirit of God and the means by which He does. And he, he, he uses the Word of God in our life as a means to teach us to uh, look into that mirror, as we say, and recognize where we are lacking and pray and seek God to work in us to improve those things. Jerry Bridges said this, and I'll just quote a little bit. He said, a focus on the outward structure of character and conduct 
without taking time for the inward foundation of devotion to God will fail us. This results in cold legalism or worse, in self-righteous spiritual pride. We must develop the outer and the inner spirituality simultaneously. So it's by the, the strength and the wisdom of the Holy Ghost, but we also actively uh, pursue and desire and, and yield for those things to be produced in our life. Does that make sense? Alright, I just want to kind of think with you about that as we go along. Um, now we've looked at love and joy and peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, or well, we've, today we come to faith. And faith is an interesting word as well. Uh, it's a, it's you know, a word that I think we're very familiar with. Because we come to Christ by faith. We're saved by faith. By grace through faith. It's by the grace of God, and you know, you know well what he says in Ephesians 2, not by works. Uh, I was talking with Brother Jeff this morning, and, and he was saying, we were talking about different things, but he, was, he said, you know, a lot of, I think we were talking about the memory verse. He said a lot of the things in the Bible really are common sense. Our memory verse is, a soft answer turneth away wrath. That should be common sense, right? Although, uh, as it's been said many times, it's not so common. But, you know, it does, we, when we read that, we go, well, yeah, that makes sense. You know, if you, if you uh, fire back an angry uh, answer, you're going to just put fuel on the fire and, you know, and all you're going to see is more strife. But if you humble yourself and you answer with a soft answer, it brings the tone down, right? But then uh, Jeff said this, he said, the one thing that we, it does, doesn't come commonsensically, that's not a term I'm sure, but I made it up. Anyway, uh, is that, is to, that salvation is, is by trusting Christ. We have to learn that, we have to be taught that. Because in our nature, we want to say, well, if I do good, I can make my way to heaven. That's, that's the natural kind of mentality that we have, but wherever that comes from, we think, and, and you know, obviously God, uh, he's put within us right and wrong, and and we know the wrong, the sin that we do would, would separate us from God, would keep us from heaven. So we think we can overcome that by just stop sinning and do good. But the problem is we never, we never can accomplish that. Because we always, we're sinful by nature. And therefore, salvation comes by God gave it as a gift to poor, wretched sinners. He died upon the cross and shed His blood to give us eternal life, which is by received by faith. So we are, we're familiar with faith. Now the word here is the word, the Greek word that's commonly is a common word for faith. It also can mean faithful, to be faithful. And I read all of my the commentaries that I have access to, which I don't have an extensive library, but the ones that I have, I read through, and there was a unanimous opinion, a unanimous consensus that uh, in this context where this word is used, it's speaking of faithfulness. I'll just read you some of my uh, commentators. Kenneth Wiest uh, wrote a book that I have, actually I think there's about four volumes, of uh, Greek word studies. 
And he said, faith is from pistis, that's the Greek word, which does not refer here to faith exercised by the saints, but to faithfulness and fidelity as produced in the life of the yielded Christian by the Holy Spirit. Um, another commentator, I think it's Barnes. Let me look ahead here. Yeah. Barnes says this, The word here may be used in the sense of fidelity, and may denote that the Christian will be a faithful man, a man faithful to his word and promises, a man who can be trusted or confided in. It is probable that the word is used in this sense because the object of the apostle is not to speak of the feelings which we have toward God so much as to illustrate the influence of the Spirit in directing and controlling our feelings toward people. True religion makes a man faithful. And MacArthur said it's the Greek word for faith or faithfulness, and here it means faithfulness. If you're walking in the Spirit, you're going to manifest faithfulness. So I want to think with you this morning about this thought of faithfulness, being faithful. For certainly, our faith ought to make us faithful. Should it not? If what we believe is truly believed, then we're going to continue faithfully walking and operating upon that faith. So, I just have two headings to share with you. The first one is a pattern of faithfulness in our Lord. I'd like for you to turn with me to 2 Timothy chapter 2, just for a moment. 2 Timothy chapter 2 And we'll begin at verse number 1. Paul is writing to a younger man in the ministry named Timothy. And he says, Thou therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. Thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Let's pause there for a moment. So Paul is saying to Timothy uh, to be strong and to endure. All of those things kind of have the idea of faithfulness, right? What you're embarking upon doing, Timothy, in ministry is not going to be easy. There's going to be many difficulties. There's going to be hardships. But he says be strong in the Lord. Don't give in to the temptation to quit. Endure hardness like a good soldier. And so he's encouraging Timothy to continue on faithfully and understanding Paul's been in the ministry for much longer than Timothy and he knows all of the, uh, you know, he knows all of the difficulties that Timothy will face. He understands the feelings of our infirmities of, you know, uh, sometimes just being fatigued or discouraged or uh, fearful. We, we studied those things in Sunday school. Things that cause us to, uh, what, to, to fail. We get fatigued. We get tired. You know, Paul said, be uh, not weary in well-doing. And my pastor, he used to, Say, you know, we do get weary in well-doing, but we should never get weary of well-doing. But sometimes we do get weary. 
I was feeling a little groggy this morning. But I, the Lord has uh, perked me up here somehow. Not through caffeine either. <laughs> but uh, I think it was too much coffee that was causing me the problem. Um, anyway, I'll move on. You know, there, there's many hardships. But he says to Timothy, be faithful. Don't, don't quit. Endure. Keep going. You know, the idea of faithfulness, of course, is reliability or trustworthiness. If somebody is trustworthy, uh, you can give them a task and know that they'll complete it. They'll follow through. And Timothy was entrusted with something. And then he tells him, in, you know, as we read here in verse 2, that he was to commit these things to other faithful men who will be able to teach others also. So not only, Timothy, are you to be faithful, but you're to look for other faithful people and, and uh, teach them and disciple them, disciple them to be faithful, and they in turn can do the same. And that's how the church grows and is built. Let's jump down to uh, verse 9. We see here Paul was faithful. He says, Wherein I suffer trouble as an evildoer, even unto bonds, but the word of God is not bound. So Paul said, I'm, I'm going, you know, people call me an evildoer. It wasn't that Paul was. But you know, the world often calls good evil and evil good. And so Paul was going about doing good, but people were persecuting him and treating him as though he was a, a criminal, binding him. But he says, in all of that, God's word is not bound. The word of God is free and it's faithful to do its work. And he says in verse 10, Therefore I endure all things for the elect's sake, that they may obtain the salvation which is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. This is, it is a faithful saying, for if we be dead with him, we shall also live with him. I was drawn to this chapter because in studying the word faithful, this, it's found so many times in this chapter. But... Um, Paul says, you know, I'm enduring, I'm carrying on even though I've been mistreated. I'm being faithful because for a couple of reasons. One is for those people that need to hear the gospel and be saved. He says, for the elect's sake, that they might obtain salvation. And so I need to be faithful. Paul says it in Romans like this, I'm a debtor, both to the Jews and the Greeks, you know, the bond and the free, the, uh, what's he call them there, barbarians I think or something, but... Uh, you know, talking about the uneducated people. And he says, I'm, I'm a debtor to them. I, I've been entrusted with the gospel and, and I need to be faithful to, to preach the gospel. I need to be faithful to carry out the commission that God's given me. And then he looks forward to even uh, the knowing that he's going to not only one day die and he's already kind of, you know, he's dead with Christ. He's dead in Christ in the sense that Christ died my death for me. And my life is hid in Him, and one day I'm going to be resurrected and stand before Him. And on that day I want to be found faithful. And then he says in verse 12, If we suffer, we shall also reign with Him. If we deny Him, He also will deny us. If we believe not, yet He abideth faithful. He cannot deny Himself. Now isn't that a, that's a great thought in verse 13. We see here God, no matter what, abides faithful. Because He cannot deny Himself. God is faithful. 
That's his character. That's who he is. And he can be nothing but faithful because he is faithful. He cannot deny himself. So the Lord is faithful. Is God faithful? Yes. God is faithful. And we see this all through the Scripture. Let me, let me give you a couple of verses. Uh, you don't have to turn to them, but I'll read them for you. In Psalm 89, verse 33, he says, Nevertheless, my loving kindness will not utterly, or will I not utterly take from him, nor suffer my faithfulness to fail. Basically, God says there, I've set my loving kindness upon him, and, and I'm going to be faithfully, continually to love him. And we have that promise as well. You remember Abraham and Sarah in the Bible, they, uh, they were promised a land, they were promised a son, and when, when God promised them a son, they were, of course, quite elderly, and, and I imagine the promise, you know, seemed very far-fetched. But it was God that promised. That makes a difference, right? Right now, the politicians are campaigning and making all kinds of promises. And none of us really expect them to follow through on all of them because we know too well that they don't. And so they can make these promises and, and they know they're not going to be held too accountable for them. You know, some want to hold them accountable. But we're so used to, we're accustomed to being lied to. Isn't it true? But when the Lord says something, we say, well, now that, this, this is a different source. What God says He can do and what God says He will do. And so it says in Hebrews 11 that through faith also Sarah herself received strength to conceive seed and was delivered of a child when she was past age because she judged Him faithful who had promised. When we look at this promise, through the eyes of man, it's, it's very improbable. It seems impossible. But when you look at it through the eyes of the fact that this is God and God can do all things, and He's made the promise. He said He would. So we can believe it. We can trust it. God is, is faithful. Turn to James chapter 1. I like this phrase in James chapter 1. Verse 17. James 1, 17, he says, Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, and cometh down from the Father of lights, with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. That's a really great verse when you... Ponder it for a moment. Where does all the good things that we experience in life come from? Ultimately, they come from God. Every good gift and every perfect gift cometh down from God. If you've experienced something good in your week, and sometimes our definition of good isn't always good. <laughs> but when we really truly know, hey, we've been blessed, this is good. We thank God for it, right? Who do we thank? Well, we should thank God because it's from Him. It's God that gives good gifts. And put, He couples that with the statement of His faithfulness. So God is the giver of good gifts 
And God will always be faithful to give good things to His children. Because it says, with whom there is no variableness. He's not very, He doesn't, you know, change like we do, like the weather does. You know, we change and people change. How many of you know, uh, you know, you, you see people after years and you say, you're not quite the same person that I knew before. It might be for good, it might be for bad, I don't know. But we do, we change. And, you know, the, when it talks about the shadows, the shadows are always moving because the earth is always turning. But with God, there's no shadow of turning. Right? Isn't that what the hymn writer said? Great is thy faithfulness, O God our Father. There is no shadow of turning with thee. Thou changest not. Thy compassions, they fail not. As thou hast been, thou forever shalt be. Great is thy faithfulness. Because God is fixed. He doesn't, he's not, you know, driven off from the wind. It's, you know, some of us, um, maybe even, I don't know why my mind's thinking about politics, that's weird. But some of us politically might not even be where we used to be. You know, we might have thought this was the right thing at one time and now we've moved over here. But God always knew what the right thing was and God never moves from that. God doesn't change. He is faithful. So, we see the example of God's faithfulness. Let me, I'll give you one more and I'll move into the second thing. Um, I should, we, we have time. Turn, turn with me if you would. We'll go quick. 1 Corinthians chapter 1. 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Because this one, I think, is important. I always got to decide what I want to edit out. First uh, Corinthians one, verse six. It says, "Even as the testimony of Christ was confirmed in you, that's you know his way of saying they they got saved and you trusted Christ." And then he says in verse seven, "So that ye come behind in no gift, waiting for the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ." who shall also confirm you unto the end, that, he, that ye may be blameless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now he's talking to the Corinthian believers here, and as you know if you've studied this book, there was some problems within the Corinthian church. And sometimes I look around at Christians and I think, um, if it wasn't for the grace of God and the faithfulness of God, I, I don't think a lot of us would make it. <laughs> I don't think any of us would make it without God's faithfulness. But he that began a good work in you shall perform it. The reason why uh, I know that, you know, many of you, I've seen God at work in your life. I have every confidence in the world that you truly have received the Lord and you're saved. As best as I can see that or understand that or know that, I, I know that about some of you. Now, there might be periods in your life where you seem to be wavering and stuff. And sometimes, you know, for my children, I, I, I've watched how God has worked in their life and I know that they've been born again. And when I see them maybe wavering, and I'm not saying this for their benefit or anything like that, I'm just trying to illustrate. Um, but when I see, if, if they do ever waver, um, you know, if they're going off course, I always have this one confidence that the Holy Spirit is faithful. He's going to bring them back. He's going to work in their life. Isn't that a, isn't that a helpful 
uh, encouraging confidence. And it's the same thing as a pastor with the church. You know, if I see people, maybe they stumble at a certain point, maybe they're struggling. But if I know that, yes, I've seen it, God is at work in their heart, they're saved, He's going to bring them through. And the same thing is for me. I, why do I think, why do I have confidence that I'm going to make it? Well, only because God is faithful. If it was, if it was up to my faithfulness, I would want, I'd have very, very little confidence. But God is faithful. That's why we have this assurance of salvation. That we're going to one day enter the gates of splendor. Because why? Because we're good? No, because we've trusted Christ and He is faithful to bring us there. He's faithful to complete His work in us. Alright, with that I'll, I'll move to the second thing. So we see the, the um, pattern of faithfulness in our Lord. We, the practice of faithfulness in our lives is what I want to close with. As I said, we live in a culture that's comfortable with broken promises. But we're called to be different than the world. We're called to love in a world that's unloving. We're called to rejoice in a world that's not very joyful. We're called to uh, peace in a world of unpeace. We're called to patience in an impatient world. We're called to kindness in an unkind world and we're called to faithfulness in an unfaithful world. So the world would say, if it no longer suits you to be faithful, well, don't. You know, you think about marriage. Josh and Leanne. Uh, you think about marriage and, you know, our world says, well, be faithful as long as it suits you and when it no longer suits you you can find somebody else. You know, you can go to the gym and there will be somebody else there. You can go to the office and there will be some other person you can... But God says no. Whatsoever He hath joined together, let no man put asunder, right? And they're going to make a vow tomorrow that till death do them part, they will be faithful. If they don't do that, I will not pronounce them man and wife. <laughs> because it's required. I mean, that's what God says about marriage. We're to be faithful. One man, one wife, you know, one woman for a lifetime. In Acts chapter 11, uh, some believers went to Antioch and preached the gospel and some people got saved and and Barnabas heard about it and he went there and Barnabas, is a, he's always an encouraging man. He encouraged them to uh, continue. It says, when he saw the grace of God was glad and exhorted them with all purpose of heart that they would cleave to the Lord. I remind us of our theme, continue. We're to continue in the things of God, to be faithful. Faithful in your Bible reading, faithful in prayer, faithful in church, faithful in your, uh, your home, faithful to your family. And there's many, many areas that, you know, we are required to be faithful. Really, in every area that we, you know, we're involved in, we should be faithful. To be a faithful friend. It says in Proverbs 11:13, A talebearer 
revealeth secrets, but he that is of a faithful spirit concealeth the matter. You see, that's a faithful friend. If you have somebody that's faithful, you can tell them things, and they're not going to go blab it all over their town. That's a good friend. In Proverbs 13, he says, A wicked messenger falleth into mischief, but a faithful ambassador is health. God's entrusted us with the message. We need to be faithful. To uh, not alter it, not water it down, but to deliver it as God has given it. He says in Proverbs 25, As the cold of snow in a time of harvest, so is a faithful messenger to them that send him. For he refresheth the soul of his master. Let me just remind you this. The Lord did not say, Well done, thou good and successful servant. He said, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. You see, that's what's important. Um, our success really is, you know, the fruit of our ministry, the fruit of our spiritual activity is not really up to us. We are only to be faithful and God does the work. Right? That's the truth. It's, it's you know, that comforts me. Uh, you know, I want to see much fruit. I want to work and, and do what I can. But I know what Paul said. He said, you know, Apollos, I planted Apollos water, but it's God that gives the increase. So it's only required in a steward that he be found faithful. The best ability is dependability. I'll close with a little story I found online. It said the time was the 19th of May, 1780. The place was Hartford, Connecticut. The day has gone down in New England's history as a terrible foretaste of Judgment Day. For at noon, the skies turned from blue to gray and by mid-afternoon had blackened so densely that in the religious age, men fell on their knees and begged a final blessing before the end came. This is 1780, and these are men in religion, but they, they saw the sky go black. And they thought it must be you know, the judgment day. <laughs> they thought this was the end. It says that... Um, they fell on their knee. Oh, we read that. So the, the continent, the Connecticut House of Representatives was in session, and as some men fell down and others clamored for an immediate adjournment, the Speaker of the House, one Colonel Davenport, came to his feet. He silenced them and said these words, The day of judgment is either approaching or it's not. If it is not, there's no cause for adjournment. If it is, I choose to be found doing my duty. I wish, therefore, that candles may be brought. And he continued on. You know, sometimes we look around and we see what's going on in the world and we think, boy, the Lord must be coming. This is getting terrible. Whether that's, you know, whether it's now or later, whether He is going to come, we know that, right? Whether that's today or years from now, the fact is, we just simply got to be faithful. Because when the Lord comes, do we not want to be found being faithful? So my encouragement to you this morning is the fruit of the Spirit that He wants to build into our lives includes faithfulness. How, do, how we uh, 
measuring up on that. Well, if you're like me, you might say, I'm not as faithful as I ought to be. And maybe we need to just continue seeking to yield to the Spirit of God and let Him produce that in our life. Let's stand together.